Now, I'm going to invite Lisa up first to bring the word. Come on, Lisa. Church family, our first reading is from John chapter 13, verses 31 to 37. When Judas had left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is seen for who he is, and God is seen for who he is in him. The moment God is seen in him, God's glory will be on display. In glorifying him, he himself is glorified. Glory all around. Children, I am with you for only a short time longer. You are going to look high and low for me. But just as I told the Jews, I am telling you, where I go, you are not able to come. Let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. When you see the love that you have for each other. Simon Peter asked, Master, just where are you going? And Jesus answered, You can't now follow me where I'm going. You will follow later. Master, said Peter, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. The second reading is from John chapter 4, verses 10 to 12. This is what love is. It is not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the means by which our sins are forgiven. Dear friends, if this is how God loved us, then we should love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in union with us and his love is made perfect in us. Amen. Thanks, Lisa. I like Patrick's uh, testimony, actually, because um, it's getting outside your comfort zones quite difficult, isn't it, sometimes? You know? uh, I was asked to share a little bit about Macedonia in my talk tonight, so I'm going to show you a video, um, which Mario, where's Mario? It's Mario. Mario videoed this. Simon's here with his family, Simon. Simon was on the trip, and others have gone out to Macedonia since, but, uh, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing. We had this idea of putting on a conference, and, and we just sort of said, let's, let's just go for it. Let's just find, get some money, and let's take a team out, and let's go for it. Um, so this video I'm going to show you now is a, a trailer of the, an hour-long documentary that Mario videoed while we were out in Macedonia on our first trip. Um, Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. But hand clap for Jesus, I think, for that, don't you? Come on. Don't be confused with that. Uh, astonishing stuff. Okay. All right, let's see more. So it's AD 95. And John is the last standing apostle by some way, actually. And he's. He's going to write a letter to the daughter churches of the area, which is around modern-day Turkey. And he's got a bit of a heresy to sort out. But actually, right at the front of his mind is uh, the love of God. So if we look at the verses, what he's writing is, this is what love is. It's not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the means by which our sins are forgiven. Just that's love. You can imagine John feeling like their beloved disciple and love is full, of his, full in his mind. So, question. Hands up if you think the Sahara Desert is hot and sandy. That's not a quick, trick question. Okay. Keep your hand up if you have been to the Sahara Desert, like me. One, two. Excellent. Three. Okay. So, I've got a picture um, 17 of us drove a transit van from uh, London to the Sahara Desert and we climbed up the, up the dunes and did lemming leaps off the top and then rolled down the sides of the dunes. And from my experience of the Sahara, I learned two important things. It's hot and it's sandy. And that's about all there is to say about it, really. Now, when I was uh, growing up in a Baptist church, uh, as, as a small boy, we sang a song a lot. Um, it went like this. If you know, join in. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Well, right, then it goes, yes, Jesus. That's it, yeah. yeah. So, right from an early age, I knew, uh, at least in my head, that Jesus loves me. Yeah? Now, John, as he's writing, is saying that Jesus came down to earth and died for us to forgive us because he loves us. So hands up if you believe that. Okay. Keep your hands up if you were there when he came and died. Okay. So none of us. But John was. 
He probably might have been the last person left alive that actually experienced Jesus coming and dying. So he was there in his boat with his uh, brother James when Jesus arrives, flanked by his cousins um, Andrew and Peter, uh, and he decided he would follow Jesus too. So he had three years uh, where he was just experiencing the love of Jesus following this young rabbi. Now, normally rabbis would show respect to other good Jewish men, but Jesus was loving and showing respect to women, to children, to prostitutes, to tax collectors, even to lepers. Uh, And it was just this amazing outpouring of love, which was an example uh, to John. And then comes the day when he stood at the foot of the cross with his mother Salome and the mother of Jesus, Mary. uh, And he's looking up and there's a blood-stained body of Jesus sort of convulsing in agony up in the cross. And John can see, you know, how much um, how much this love cost Jesus. So it's quite easy, isn't it, to say, Jesus loves me. Say it to the next person, Jesus loves me. Now say it as if you mean it. <laughs> so why have I found it so difficult to really feel it in my heart that Jesus loves me over the last 40 years, since I went down the sand dune, you know? See, the difference between me and you about the sand dune is that I experienced that sand dune. I experienced being wrapped in that hot sand. And I can remember that experience. And John had that experience, didn't he? Of being wrapped in the love of Jesus. Now, can we experience the love of Jesus like John did? We can't be there, can we? But we know that the Holy Spirit can give us that same experience. We know through our Bibles that the Holy Spirit can come within us and give us that same experience of the love of God uh, that John had. And yet, I don't know if there's anyone out there like me, but I found that really difficult to really understand uh, the depth of love that God has for me. So why is that? Well, a few years ago, uh, my wife asked me a question. Uh, if I was on a desert island uh, with three celebrities, past or present, who would I choose? Right? Think of the question, who would you choose? I probably answered it too quickly and too honestly. I said, Bear Grylls, Nigella Lawson, and Baby Spice. <laughs> now, the adventurer Bear Grylls, so he can put up the shelter, go and catch all the food. The TV chef, Nigella, so she can make all the food uh, and keep Bear Grylls' attention, and then Baby Spice for the deep theological conversations. (laughs) No, actually, it is because, in a nice sort of celebrity way, I found it an object of desire. Please don't judge me, you do the same. Not to Baby Spice, but to other people. So, so and it's actually, everything in the answer is what I call long the horizontal axis. It's all human, isn't it? There's nothing spiritual about that. I want, to be, I want safety, I want food, and I want some distraction and entertainment. Uh, that's why I chose those three people. Okay? So, we, we live in this sort of world where we want um, to be loved and want to be desired. See, I desired uh, Baby Spice, Emma Bunton. I don't know anything about her, really, do I? 
She sings nicely and she's attractive, but I know uh, nothing about her. Mm. And we, we seem to have changed our culture. We seem to be in a culture now where rather than being hedonistic like it was 10, 20 years ago, we seem to be in this sort of selfie culture, you know, where uh, everybody's interested in image. They, you want to be desired. There's 100 million selfies taken every day. It's amazing, isn't it? 75% of all photographs um, taken are uh, selfies. And you might say, I don't take selfies, Kevin, but I bet if we took a group photograph all right, with you all in and put a, put a big poster up there, the first person you would look to see is who? Yourself, isn't it? Oh, do I look all right? My hair all right? You, I, I could have my eyes closed, uh, my tongue hanging out, uh, but, but it, w- it wouldn't worry you, would it? So, we have this... Um, so, I've got this problem, really, um, in that I want to be desired. Now, 40 years ago, I thought I was quite desirable. She put a picture at me. There I am. <laughs> Don't laugh. Uh, so this is my student rail card. Um, I was quite a young man, and I thought the girls that went out with me were quite lucky, actually. <laughs> but 40 years later, when I look into the mirror, you can take that down. <laughs> when I look into the mirror, I don't see that same person, do I? I see an old man looking out at me. I think, why is the mirror always lying? But you see, I don't feel desirable. I wouldn't expect any of you to pick me on your desert island as an object of desire. (laughs) Uh, Not anymore. I don't feel desirable. And I think one of the problems is, with not feeling desirable in a human way, is that we can easily look at it spiritually and say, if I don't feel desirable, then how uh, can God uh, desire me? Yeah? Now, another problem I've got is I've got a bit of a Victorian work ethic. I always have to be doing things. So I, I can argue sometimes, if I work really hard for God and do loads of stuff, then that gives him a bit of an excuse to love me a bit more because he can actually love the things I'm doing, yeah, rather than loving this undesirable person. But that's absolute rubbish, isn't it? It's, it's rubbish, but also it denies what Jesus did on the cross because when he hung there on the cross... You know, he didn't say, it is nearly finished, Kevin, but if we work, you work a little bit harder for me, then we can finish this thing off, um, and then I can really love you. The love God has for us is different, isn't it? It's not like our human love. You know, it's not a love that's romantic. It's not a love that's sexual or emotional. It's far, far bigger than that. Uh, it's a love uh, that is unconditional, isn't it? It's unconditional in that Jesus was prepared to die uh, for us without any conditions. I suppose there's uh, some glimpses of it in today's world, isn't there? So, for example, if you're a father uh, and you've got a three-month-old son who's got cancer, you pray, and you pray, please, Lord, give me the cancer. Anything, I want to take the cancer into my body. Or perhaps you're a young mum who's pregnant, and the doctor says, you have to terminate the pregnancy because although the baby may live, if you go through it, you will probably die. Uh, and the mother says, no, I, w- I want to go through this. Whatever cost it is to me, 
Yeah, whatever cost it is to me. I want to go through uh, with a pregnancy because I want the baby uh, to live. In a sort of way, that's what Jesus did for us. In John, in his, in his gospel, in the first chapter, it says that Jesus always existed in some form or another. And all of life came through Jesus. So if he brought humanity into life through his breath, he must have known that they were going to pull away from God and that he would have to come and die a painful death to reconcile them. You know? So it's that same love. It's that agape love. And it's a love that is unconditional. It's a love um, that is laced with grace and mercy and forgiveness. It's a love that uh, corrects us but builds us up. It's a love that is so wide that there's no end to it. It's so deep. It's in an infinite love. And it's also a love which is unquenchable. It just keeps on coming. There's no end to his love. This is the love through which God loves me and God loves you. So it doesn't matter if you feel undesirable. It doesn't matter if you feel unworthy because this is a free gift from God which keeps on giving. It keeps on giving. And we need to pray that, that what we know in our heads, Jesus loves me, this I know, will just infiltrate into our hearts so we can break through the barriers we put in our mind to knowing that God loves you. Does that resonate, church, with some of you? Okay. There's two things, aspects to uh, God's love. The one is receiving it, and the other is giving it, isn't it? Let's wind the clock back a little bit uh, from John writing his letter to 60-plus years earlier when he is around the low table at the Last Supper. So if you can imagine it, you've got Jesus and 12 disciples. uh, They're all reclining on each other. At the end is Judas, then Jesus, then John, and then all the others around to Peter. So John is climbing to his left. He calls himself the beloved disciple, and he's nestled into Jesus' chest when he's not eating. Jesus has his head on the chest of Judas, which is quite interesting because in Luke's gospel, Luke says that before the Last Supper, Satan entered Judas. So this man, Judas, has got Satan in him and the Son of God with his head rest on his chest. And at that moment, he's still got free will, Judas, but Jesus, go and do what you must do. He could have stayed, but he went. He went and left. And the moment that Judas leaves, this is where our passage comes in, Jesus shouts out, now! Glory will be seen by the Father. Glory will be seen by the Son. Glory. Because he knew that once Judas leaves that room, that there's going to be the betrayal, there's going to be the arrest, there's going to be the trial, and there's going to be the crucifixion. Nothing was going to stop it once Judas left that room. And I think there must have been a shift in spiritual atmosphere in the room, because then Jesus uh, goes into some teaching. We'll pick up the passage uh, from there. And he says, children... You know, it's the only, only other time it's used in the Gospels is when Mary talks to Jesus as a 12-year-old. These are his boys, aren't they? These are his kids. These, these are his disciples. Children, I'm with you only for a short time longer. You're going to look high and low for me, but just as I told the Jews, where I go, you can't come. But let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way that I loved you. Love one another. So Jesus is telling them that they can't come. But 
they want, he wants them to think about the spiritual aspect. Because at the moment, they've been on that horizontal axis. Even though they've seen miracles, all their experiences of, of what Jesus is doing is in the natural. In fact, before he, Jesus entered the room for the last supper, they were arguing on who's going to be the greatest. Now, we know that our, our government never argues, does it? You know, but they were arguing, you know, when, when he kicks out the Romans, who's going to have the best positions in the cabinet? <laughs> That's how they were, they, were, they were talking. And Jesus has got to get them from this horizontal thinking up into the spiritual because he's doing spiritual strategy here. You know, he's going to defeat the kingdom of darkness. Now, and he says to them, this is the new commandment I've got for you, to love one another as I have loved you. Now, it's not a new commandment to love one another because the Jews in Leviticus and Deuteronomy were told, love one another, love your neighbor, uh, love the stranger in your village as if it was one of your best friends. What is new about the commandment is love one another as I have loved you. Yeah? So you've got this three years of experience they've had of Jesus loving. He's even just washed their feet, which some slaves wouldn't want to do. It was that lowly a job. And he's showing them this love and says, I want you to love like that. Now, could they love like that at that moment? Not really, because they haven't yet got the power of the Spirit from Pentecost. But he's setting them up to be able to love in the same way and in the same power that, they've, that, they, that he's had and that they've seen. But it's interesting that Peter... He sort of misses the new commandment bit. And he goes back to what Jesus said first and says, oh, hang on a minute. What do you mean you're going? Where are you going? I want to go with you. I die for you. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. You know, Peter's stuck in that mode, isn't he? He's still looking at the present. He's not grasping this new commandment, being able to love people uh, just like Jesus loved. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, a young lady came up to me and said, if I put Jesus first in my life, you know, will I be able to still go smoking and drinking with my friends? It's, it's an honest question, isn't it? It's a question that needs to be asked, but what she's looking at is the horizontal. She's looking at sort of the human level, isn't she? What am I going to lose out on, like Peter? What am I going to lose if I put Jesus first? But when you let the love of God flow into your heart, when you are operating in the power that comes from that love. And you're seeing people saved and you're feeling his presence. And uh, you might be seeing people healed. You don't stop in that moment and say, oh, am I missing an episode of Emmerdale Farm? Or you know, or should be going out having a beer with the boys, do you? Because actually what you've got is far greater, isn't it? It's far greater um, than what, you, what you've given up. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, you know, it's time to grow up spiritually, boys, and grasp this new commandment. So if we look at the next scripture, Hudson, uh, and again. Uh, and again. No, okay, back, back at one. <laughs> back two then. Oh, we'll go back, we'll go back to where we were. Go back, and again, go back again. Here we go. No, we're not. Go forward one. You'll get there in a minute between us. If we look, here we go. If we love one another, so this is, this is the letter we were looking at. I'm getting there, boys. It's my first time. Give me a chance. <laughs> if we love one another, God lives in union with us and his love is made perfect in us. You get in, you get in the picture here that we're living in union with God. So we're taking in his love, we're giving in his love out and he's making his love perfect in us. 
And then at the, new, uh, the Last Supper scene, Jesus is going to say, everyone will recognize you are my disciples when they see the love you have one for another. You see the two scriptures together. We've got to have God in us. We've got to have Jesus in us, building up uh, that love in us. But it's a two aspects to it. It's giving and receiving. It's almost like we've got these sort of spiritual love scales. So this is all the love I'm receiving. You know, more from you, Lord. More of you, Lord. And this is what I'm giving out. All right? This is what I'm giving out. This is, if you like, stepping out of your comfort zone, uh, serving others, loving on others. Now, where are, you, where are your spiritual love scales? Yeah. You know, are, are you the sort of person that always taking in, taking in, or are you always the person that's given out, given out, and perhaps it's one way uh, or the other? And perhaps the Lord is saying to you today, you know, if you don't give time for God, then you need to give more time for him uh, to let him soak into you, let this love uh, soak into you. And if you're always chasing the Holy Spirit experiences but not actually doing anything for him, then perhaps like Patrick, you need to ask God, give me the opportunities to step out my comfort zone. Uh, and do more for you, Lord. So what does this agape love look like in practice? Well, there was a lovely story that Simon Gibo uh, put in his book, Choose Life. So it's after apartheid, and they had these um, truth and reconciliation commissions. And it, it came for the turn of the soldier, Vanderbrook, to do his confession. And the lady he'd uh, wronged was with him, this old, old lady from the ghetto. And he said, I confess that I went in and shot her 18-year-old son in private. I took his body and I burnt it so no one would know. And then a few years later, I went into her home, I tied her husband up, and I put fuel over him and burnt him alive. And it was just like a pin drop. And the judge said to the lady, what would you like for Mr. Vanderbrook? And she said, I want Mr. Vanderbrook to go where he burnt my son, gather up the dust from the floor and bring it to me so that I can give my son the proper funeral that he deserves. And the man nodded without looking up, he was so ashamed. And she said, and then I'd like Mr. Vanderbrook to come to the ghetto for two days every month. He has taken away all of the rest of my family and I still have a lot to give and I have no one to love. And I want him to come and spend these days with me so that I can love on him and be his mother, so that he knows that God loves him and he knows that through my actions I've truly forgiven him. And as she said these words, people spontaneously started singing Amazing Grace. But Vanderbrook didn't hear it because he was so overwhelmed with what she said uh, that he'd fainted. This is agape love. And when we decided to go out to Macedonia. Um, we went out, through, three, we've done three trips now, and there's a few guys here that have been on those trips. We don't often know what we're going to do. It's true, isn't it? The day before, we might know, we listened to the Spirit, um, and the two ladies came out this year, and they said, we believe that God wants us to go out, but we don't think that the Lord can use us, really. We haven't really got anything to offer. And what are we doing anyway? And I said, well, I don't know what you're going to be doing, but what I do know is there'll be plenty of opportunities to love on people, and that's all we're asking you to do. You know, go out and love people. If they're poor, you might have something to give them. If they're sad, hug them. If they need healing, pray for them. Just go and love on people. Yeah. And after the conference this year, 
We had a feedback session. And we'd put them together to pray for people. They had very little experience, uh, but we had so many people wanting prayer that that's what we did. We threw people into the deep end. And we said to these two ladies, how did it go, praying for people? They said, oh, yeah, well, there were at least three people with eye illnesses and partial blindness that were miraculously healed for our prayers. And then there were troubles with heads and backs and knee pains, either went completely or partially went. Oh, yeah, and there's this lady that was, had demonic possessions that we managed to release in Jesus' name. And we led at least three or four people uh, to faith in Jesus for the first time. Uh, and it's just got a smile, haven't you? Because they just went out uh, to love on people. <laughs> and and God's love and power uh, is working through them. John finishes his days as a very frail old man at the same church in Ephesus. And the story goes that they'd ask him, John, have you got anything to share with the community here? And he'd say, yes, love one another. And every week he'd say the same thing, yes, love one another. And one day one of the elders said to him, John, why do you always say when we ask you, love one another? He says, because you must love one another. <laughs> so you can map that man who from, I don't know when Jesus came to him, perhaps he was at 18, 19 years old, died in his 90s, all that time he was wrapped in God's love, wasn't he? You know, he called himself the beloved disciple because he always felt God's love. The truth is, every one of you and I, if we follow Jesus, is his beloved disciple. We have the same immensity of God's love that John had. You know, and guys, you may need to push into that love. Some of you need to, to get into more prayer and more worship. Perhaps even chase his love. You know, like when I was a young Christian, people used to go to Toronto for a bigger blessing. I used to go to Cumbran when there was a big healing anointing down there. Just get into the presence of God whenever you can and let that love soak into you. And just be at one, feel his power, feel his love in your life. And then with that love, don't keep hold of it and let it just leak out over time, but then take that love and share it with others. Step out and give that love. Step out of your comfort zone. If you haven't got it around you immediately, then pray to God that he will give you the opportunities to share uh, that love with others. Because the same love that breathed creation into being is in your hearts, yeah? The same power that raised the dead can be seen through that love in you. So church, allow yourself today Okay, to be the vast delight and desire of Jesus Christ. And then step out in that love and take his love to a hurting world. Amen? Amen, church. Can we have the group back up, Tim? Thanks. When um, we were praying earlier, I had a a strange picture of, of like a catacomb. Um, so it's like, like, which is really like a dark place, isn't it? But it was like filled with light. And I saw that the, the, it had light from up, like, you couldn't see where the source of light, but there was uplighters, there was embedded spotlights, and there was a spotlight coming in from a distance. And as I prayed about this, I felt the Lord saying that there, that there are people here that uh, a, a light in, a fa- felt like they're trapped in the dark from God's love. 
And yet the truth is that from the Father, Son, and Spirit, there is light coming in to you from all directions, even though you may not know uh, where that light's coming from. And before we go into ministry time, I just think um, I'd like to pray for anyone here that has struggled experiencing God's love. I think some of you may have had a problem with self-loathing, or there may have been words that have been said over you, yeah, um, that have stopped you experiencing uh, the full love of God. Uh, so if that's you, you don't need to put your hand up, but just clench your fist. Clench your fist if that's you. And everybody else can just pray for those that are clenching their fists. And as we pray, just, just let it go. Just let it go. So Lord, we come against any words that have been spoken over our brothers and sisters here. We come against it and we break it with the power of Jesus' love and the power of Jesus' name. We pray the blood over you and we break the negative words that others have spoken over you and that you have spoken over yourself. And we release you into the love of God. So let it go. Holy Spirit, just come right now. Holy Spirit, come. Just come and release right now. In Jesus' name. Ooh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, For those who are new here, we're going to go into a ministry time now. So we're going to invite people to the front. Uh, But please do and stay uh, and chat to people at the back and afterwards. Uh, But I want to... I want to ask anyone who's felt it difficult understanding the love of God in their hearts, if if you'll come forward for ministry. If you feel you need more of experiencing more of God's love, and perhaps you may not have even ever experienced God's love, you may not know it as a reality, then come forward for prayer, I pray. And also, if you're someone that experiences God's love and works in God's love, but you don't feel that you are applying God's love to others, you're not stepping out, and you need to be bolder, and you need to take a few more risks for Jesus, then come forward, just commit yourself to Jesus today. I know for some of you that don't receive God's love easily, coming forward is going to be difficult, because you're going to be at the back. Um, But I would encourage you, make a break today. Make a break today in that. And let the love of God come and bless you today. Thank you. Come on, so please come forward.